Sound of Hockey episode 195. We're calling this one the Lars Eller episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Yes, Lars Eller, Washington Capital. Okay. He's from Denmark. Uh-huh. Uh, he's got 195 career assists. Okay. Yeah. Now, right. he was one of five Danes to play in the in the NHL this season. Okay. Can you name... I can name two. RF. Alex True. Did he play? He played in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. yeah he did. Uh, Ehlers. His cousin. Alex yep. True's cousin. Okay. <laughs> Good work. Um, this is kind of an impromptu uh, quizzical yeah. here. Um, I think... Think oh Frederick Anderson, no. is he Danish? Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, he is, but I didn't. I'm only talking about skaters. Oh well, this <laughs> is all right. This all right, game is okay, I'll give you protest. that. So then I'm, there's six. I'm okay. gonna go with Oliver Bjorkstrand. That's a good one. Uh, and then I don't think you're gonna get this last one. Jonas Ronberg. No, wouldn't have gotten yeah. that one. I don't even know you know what? Is. Considering I had no idea where you're going with that. And yeah. you just sprung that on yeah. us. I, no, I thought you did well. We did pretty well there. They're, yeah. they're pretty good players, right? Yeah. And the true, it helps that Alexander five, True right? we is... We five together. Yeah. I think, I think so. I two. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You, you missed Ron Ronberg. Okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we know. Oh, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Who played for Vegas, by the way. Uh, I've never heard of him before. Yeah. I looked at this list. How we'll many take games that one. did he play for Vegas? 30. Really? Yeah. Uh, hey, this is Sound of Hockey. I'm Darren Brown, at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Ide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2Seattle on the Twitter. And uh, also follow us at uh, Sound underscore Hockey on Twitter, which Twitter is a very fun place these days. <laughs> I've been finding. I don't know about Good you times. guys. Yeah, just nothing but chuckles and yep. smiles on Good that. Takes. Can't even joke around anymore. Oh my god, yeah. it's it's awful. I'm like I've started to like that's usually my just like all right, I need to shut my brain off for 10 minutes. I'll just scroll through Twitter. No. It's so painful. Anyway, uh okay, so we are coming to you from Seattle, Bar Down Studios to be exact or specific. Uh we are excited to have this episode with you. We have Riker Evans on the show. Uh, fun, quick, quick interview with him. Not mm-hmm. super long compared to a lot of the interviews we do, um, but get to know him a little bit in a bit. Uh, that was a lot of bits in a row. <laughs> we're already on the bits? What, not quite. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, we're actually going to start with reviews, which you know oh, I love to oh, do yeah. that. Yep, we have two of them. Uh, one comes from Anastasia Augustine. It says, it's our favorite podcast. Your right. podcast is the only one my husband and I can agree on to listen to together. Great job, guys. <laughs> we look forward to the next season. The other one Look comes at, wait, from- Wait, wait, hold on. We're bringing couples together? That's there's amazing. Marital there's bliss. more. There's oh. more. Okay. The other five-star review comes from Greg, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, exclamation point. It says, I'm the husband mentioned above. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is addicted to podcasts and I love hockey and hot beverages, maybe in that order. Uh, it's a perfect <laughs> match for us. Love listening to you guys, hoping for a Latang signing, uh, which I think oh. I saw that there's a Latang signing coming up with Pittsburgh. Yeah. It sounds like that's getting close. So uh, that may so, not. Well, he gets a signing. He that's just not true. Seattle. I think he meant, and he though, I think he meant here with the Kraken. Yeah. He wasn't specific about Seattle. But we may have unlocked a new uh, five star review cheat code here, right? Because <laughs> couples, couples. I mean, how many of our listeners slash reviewers haven't required their significant other to leave a review? That's good. Yeah. And how many are not listening to the podcast with their significant other? Clearly, a way that we can bring you even closer together. Or maybe in the review they could ask us a, a question about their relationship that we can fix. Oh, we're not going to get. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm divorced and an expert on marriage. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen it all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Like what not to do is yes. what we could what we could do to help there. But um, no, I think that would be yeah, that'd be an interesting. Um, well, I like the hot be- hot beverages angle. Yeah. Right? Did Which that is... just go right over your head there? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I laughed. Yeah. Okay. Think we you? should. Yeah, I think right. we should go deep into the hot beverages. So well, there's no reason for them to be hot. But you don't no. want to get too deep into a hot beverage because then you'll get burned, right? If you're that's true. That was a really stupid that joke. Was. Wah, wah. All right, I don't. I I think I hit like maybe one fourth of the jokes, right? Which is still above the Mendoza line, as they say. I'd yeah. batting batten two fifty on that yeah. one. So yeah, the Mendoza line is named after an ex Seattle Mariner. Yeah, named Mendoza. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't know he was a Mariner, but yep. okay. Uh, hey, we have some cracking news that we're going to share with you. Uh, so first off, uh, really, our first piece is going to be the preseason schedule. That's what we're going to talk about first. I mean, if you guys want to talk about it, yeah. all right. So, what's the preseason schedule? Preseason schedule uh, released <laughs> earlier this week. Uh huh. 
Uh, Monday, September 26th is the first home game, and that's the first preseason game. And where's that game being played at? That's at the Climate Pledge Arena oh. against the nope. Edmonton Oilers. No junior arenas this year? No, apparently not. Okay. So, um, But it's – so the three – Three teams that they're going to be playing is Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver, and three at home, three on the road. Just look it up. You don't. You don't yeah, need to remember need to this. Yeah, but it starts <laughs> September twenty sixth, um, and then it wraps up in Edmonton, October seventh, and then they would play three or four days later after that. So, yep. Uh, okay, that's big stuff right there. Yeah, huge. Yep. Uh, clearly, that was bigger <laughs> yeah. news than the team hiring a goalie coach and also uh, the first female assistant coach in AHL history. Uh, so the goalie coach, Steve Briere, he previously worked seven years for the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's familiarity there between Steve Briere and Dave Haxtall and also uh, assistant coach Paul McFarland, who crossed paths with him as well in Toronto. Uh, so that's an interesting hire. I think it's a, a good pick. I mean, I don't know enough about whatever right yeah. i think where it really shows is like how did the goalies perform that were sort of playing for him and i i've always thought that like the maple leafs tended to get guys that were to me not like surefire obvious number ones and i felt like they would usually do pretty well like campbell this last year you know he had a career year right he was an all-star mm-hmm. there was a stumble down the stretch but what i thought was interesting was he put the wheels back on the wagon kind of before the playoffs, right? Yeah. Like he got it together, yep. um, which that to me is all goalie coaching, right? He's actually That's, pretty good in the playoffs. I know people like yeah. to make fun of Toronto, but he wasn't the reason. That and Mrazek had an awesome, oh, wait, no, he didn't have an awesome. Okay. Year, so, <laughs> but like Freddie Anderson was pretty good there. Uh, they, I know in the press release they sent out, they were really touting what he did with Curtis McElhaney, who had been like bouncing around oh, yeah. and showed up in Toronto and all of a sudden he was great. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a good hire. Again, it's somebody that's got a ton of experience. There's familiar familiarity with the coaching staff and, you know, in, we're going to talk more about Ron Francis press conference today, but he kind of said without directly saying like, we wanted somebody with more experience than our previous goalie coach. It is kind of what he said, right? So that's definitely something that they were looking at with somebody who's been around for a while, has a proven track record of helping goalies perform perhaps better than they were performing before they got there, um, which I think is is definitely true for uh, C. Breer. So I think it's a good hire, but what did you guys think about it? Or did I say it all? I, I, I mean, mean, yeah, I mean, it's... I, I we, do think you said it all. It's like, I, we don't know, like, right? Like we're not in the Alan room, but... Fired, we were all like, what is this really going to mean? We don't really know. But I think I think Campbell played pretty well, probably better than he had uh, mm-hmm. previously in L.A. He's had good seasons in L.A., but... Um, and then Freddie Anderson was was awesome. What I what I love about Steve Briere, former trail smoke eater... Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh-huh. he's got that going for You can never go for. wrong with a smoky. Was we a always goalie, root for the smokies, was that's it, right. When he played, he was a goalie at University of Alabama, Alabama Huntsville. Ah, okay. Right? Must be a goalie factory with him and yeah, Cam Talbot, right? right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, Cam Talbot. Is that where he played? Is that the Chargers? Alabama Huntsville. There is a goalie who played there. Yeah. Okay. It's probably Cam Talbot. You might be right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, it's not really important. And Carry lots on. Lots of ECHL uh-huh. experience. Played for the Five Flyers in the at the time was the <laughs> BNL, okay. which is now the EIHL. Do you know where that is? Uh, I'm gonna go with Germany. It's the English oh. Ice Hockey ah, League. Yeah. Dang so it. anyway. Pretty interesting path. Um, yeah, he's played hockey been around, in some weird yeah. places. Yeah. USHL, like pretty, I don't know, pretty cool. But the bulk of it's been in Toronto lately, obviously, and I wouldn't know. But he he, he did, I guess he's a descendant of Mitch Korn. Ah, okay. Which Who also was available this offseason, wasn't he, Mitch Korn? We I don't know. know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but Mitch Korn generally gets a lot of uh, a positive yeah. uh and speaking of coaches that have had an interesting journey, uh, Jessica Campbell also <laughs> got hired by the Kraken organization uh, as the first <laughs> assistant coach for the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Uh, and also she's the first female coach that will be like actually behind the bench in AHL history, which is really cool. We had her press conference say as well after the Ron Francis press conference. And again, we're going to get to some Ron Francis uh, talk nuggets in a moment. But. The Jessica Campbell one, she's awesome. She's Andy, impressive. I, I know you were there listening to it. Like, she is what a hire. Like, I was blown yeah. away by by her and just the way that she carried herself on that uh, that Zoom press conference. And uh, really fascinating story that she has. So I'm I'm hoping that we'll kind of learn more about that as we go. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, she did a like a skating school and uh, what, what was the thing that she was doing with players before the bubble, John? 
Yeah, supposedly um, she was returning from Sweden because she was working in Sweden and returned in March, right, mm-hmm. when things started to get shut down. And as players were kind of trying to get back in shape for the bubble, because it was like two or three months off at least, yeah. right? And so they started reaching out to her because she, she is a skills coach and, and a skating coach. So she, Luke Shen reached out to her and said, hey, can you, you know, can you set up some practices? Can we get going? Because they all need to get back in shape. And then all of a sudden you know, three NHLers became 20 and they staggered them out. They were within protocol, but it's pretty cool that they, they reached proactively reached out to her. And all of a sudden she had uh, a flood of clients. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and Barzal who last I checked was a pretty good skater, but like that tells you that her pedigree as far (laughs) as, you know, if Barzal wants to kind of get coached by her, obviously other people do, and and it should be interesting to see how she does in the AHL. Yeah. Uh, one interesting piece of that is that Dan Bilesma, like when he was talking to Ron Francis about who he wanted to hire, somehow, and as he's asking around the hockey world, people he knew, her name just kept coming up in all these different ways, right? Like he'd talk to so-and-so, and they'd be like, oh, you should maybe talk to Jess Campbell. And then you talk to so-and-so, and they'd say the same thing. And then all of a sudden, he's like, I have to reach out to Jess Campbell. He sends her an email. He didn't have any way of actually getting in contact with her. Uh, he sends her an email just based on like her school, her, her skating school thing. It's like info at skating.com. Exactly. (laughs) And, uh, and so she got that in that email box and she thought like it was spam or something. Cause it's like Dan Bilesma being like, Hey, are you interested in, are you interested in being an assistant coach for (laughs) AHL team? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's got a bunch of stuff like misspelled and no, that part's not, I'm making that up, but, um, but anyway, she's, she's awesome. I'm, I'm very excited. She she also just was the assistant coach for Germany the world championships yeah which philip grubauer played for so she already Uh has a cracking connection there you go great job andy good connection (laughs) um okay so that ron francis press conference so that was held because the draft is coming up on thursday and friday that's kind of a standard thing that they do uh (laughs) so they already had that scheduled before they announced the steve briere and jess campbell hirings but then it so happened that those things happened today lots of bits lots of happens uh so he talked obviously about the Briere hiring and the Campbell hiring, but then he also talked about some other things that were asked of him uh, specifically. So what's going to happen with the goalies this year? Because we know Chris Drieger is hurt. Is Joey Decord going to be the guy who is the backup? Uh, and he said, well, he's going to be one of the options. But then he made it sound like we need to hi- we need to find somebody who can back up Grubauer is basically what he said. So that tells me that Decord, I do think he's probably going to have a chance but i definitely I think, think so. they're they're planning to sign a veteran netminder here well they have to sign at least two right sure guys for the hl but i mean like somebody that could in theory that has real nhl experience that could come in and back it's going to be somebody we've heard of yes right yeah. Yeah. yeah and i think but i think what he's saying is that the court will be in competition like it'll yeah. come down to training camp and yeah he kind of um, he kind of backpedaled a little bit and was like oh well we need Two in the AHL, and, yep. and, and then it's always nice to have a fifth. Yep. You know, I think in right. a perfect world they would love it if the court could handle it, but how do you know that? Yeah, I, until you get into it. I think we've covered it. It's a, yeah, quite so. the uh, the risk to go in with. Decord and it was kind of typical Ron Francis. Yeah, like Decord could be the backup, but we also might sign a couple AHL yeah. guys. You know, I still think Holpe is like this weird dark horse. I don't know why, and I think I've Holtby? said it on yeah. But see, if you're Holpe, like, do you? Because I think, and we're going to talk later about some of the signings, but like a couple of guys, backup type goalies just signed deals, small numbers in terms of dollars, but it's yeah. two years, right? They don't need a veteran goalie for two years. They need a veteran goalie for one year while Chris Drieger Hopefully recovers, Drieger comes back, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of a weird spot that they're in from the, the goalie situation. Um, the other piece was that, you know, the Kraken have 12 picks in a couple of days. He said at the end of the season that he wasn't necessarily planning on picking with all of those, right? Uh, today, I mean, as of we're, we're recording on Tuesday, July 5th at 8.57 p.m. here, there's <laughs> there's been no movement with any of those picks. So it's looking more and more likely like they are going to just pick, you know, double digit number of players. Obviously, there's a chance they package a couple together on draft day or whatever. Um, but that is interesting to me that things have seemed to shift a little bit. I still think it's possible that they make a trade for a player mm-hmm. at this point. Um, you never know what's going to happen on draft day. But, um, you know, he mentioned that they're in a tough spot on that aspect too because uh, they don't have, they don't have yeah. prospects to trade right now right like you're not going to trade 
our new friend of the pod, Riker Evans. You're not going to trade Matty Beneers. You're not going to trade the number four pick. Andy, you asked him straight up, is there a, any deal that would make you move the number four mm-hmm. pick? And his response was... Well, he said, never say never. And it would take... But it would take a, a pretty extraordinary player yeah. uh, for them to do that. Yeah. So... I don't know. I mean, I just don't see. Well, it the follow-up I right? wanted to ask, but I didn't because if you get into the naming players, or he, he's not going to say anything. But I wanted to say, do you think Alex Debrinkit is that uh-huh. special of a player? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good question, and you know, his his name is certainly out there. Um, would, but it would they probably do cost a, that fourth pick? Sure, but I mean, even that is it like is a a one for one there? Is that no? I don't know. Right. I mean, well, the number four pick though that's that's a high value. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, I never thought know. they'd be willing to trade it, but when hearing some of the prices, I thought, well, maybe. But his bigger point about not having the, you know, they don't have a very full cupboard, so to speak. And if you go out and trade that pick for a player, then yeah, you got a great player, but now you've also weakened your cupboard even more. Yeah. Because you pass up a chance to get a young guy at number four. And if they end up using those four second round picks, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world to, no, not at to all. add prospects to your pipeline. It's not, you know, it's not super exciting for fans now yeah. who are, and I, I do think that there's a piece of it where there's probably some pressure for them to really gain some traction next year. But I also like, I don't know, I, I think drafting your 12 players and letting Robert Cron do his work and, you know, I mean, I well, think there's something to be said there. For there's sure. no harm in it, right? Like. They don't go against the salary cap. They don't take up a roster spot at this point. And who knows, if two or three of those guys break big, maybe that's a prospect that you could then deal because you have this deeper prospect pool. So I think that's not the worst-case scenario. Yeah. Anyway, there are a lot of interesting little nuggets on that call, so uh, maybe go on YouTube and give it a listen. I also wrote kind of a recap on soundofhockey.com that I think breaks down some of the interesting pieces of it, so give that a read when you can. And by the way, soundofhockey.com, if you're not reading it right now, go do it because we're going to have a ton of new content this week covering the draft. Uh, it's already been underway. Andy had a profile on uh, Gustafson from the Thunderbirds today. Uh, I had the little recap of uh, the Francis uh, press conference and there's other good stuff coming in the pike. So maybe even a data dump. There might be, by yeah. the time you hear this, there might be a data dump available yeah. for you to read written if, by somebody. If you in this do room. go to the YouTube and watch the Ron Francis press conference, mm-hmm. you'll probably see me not realize I had my hand raised and they called on me when I was not prepared. Yeah, there's there's always something, Andy. <laughs> always something. <laughs> oh, never never yeah. a truer statement. Yeah. Uh, so that's our cracking news. I'm sure we'll have a couple other things that come up here throughout the show. Let's talk about the coaching carousel, which has been spinning in uh, in full force, full, uh, what do we say when something's spinning quickly? Full twirl. Full twirl. It's in full twirl. It's, in, it's at full tilt. How's that? <laughs> Uh, So Jim Montgomery is back behind a bench as a head coach. Uh, He was previously with the St. Louis Blues as an assistant coach. And before that, he was with the Dallas Stars in sort of, uh, he left in mysterious circumstances at the time. And then it turned out he had an issue with alcohol abuse. Uh, So it sounds like he's got his life fully back on track. And I'm I'm pretty happy for him to know that he is getting another chance in in Boston. And he's a good coach. He's a very good coach, yeah. So I think that's a cool hire for Boston. Uh, Rick Bonus, interestingly, going to the Winnipeg Jets, so a kind of a connection there because Rick Bonus replaced Jim Montgomery after Montgomery got fired <laughs> from Dallas, and then Bonus left Dallas after this season. His contract, I believe, was up, but he just kind of wrote that. Didn't he didn't you want guys come get back. the sense that he was like? I mean, he's been coaching forever. Yeah. You know? Didn't you get the sense when he left Dallas that it was like a goodbye, like I'm retiring? It seems to be the narrative. I, I mean, I that's what I thought. I don't follow the team that well to even know, but um, that's the way everybody framed it. Yeah. So I, I was kind of surprised. Was, I didn't think it was necessarily a goodbye from coaching. I thought it was a goodbye from this job. Like I he don't did say do he, Dallas anymore. And I think he did say he wasn't retiring. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, I was a little surprised to see him get to take a job, take a new job. Well, and. You know, this is like kind of a weird one too, because we know. Well, I'm I'm 98 sure that like Barry Trotz was offered this job, right? And he yeah. effectively said, "No, I don't want to coach." And so now you get Rick Bonus, and it's like, well, it's kind of the silver medal here. Well, I'd say <laughs> Bonus Bonus does a lot. He's more of a defensive minded coach, yeah. right? And so Winnipeg's had a hard time with shot share and being a defensive team. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of stabilizes us. And I, maybe you and I joked about it, Darren, about, okay, maybe he's just holding the seat warm until Trotz is ready to come <laughs> up. So, uh, But I think it actually is a better fit the more I look at it than, okay. than people will. I mean, most people think it's crazy, but 
I think when you when you break it down, it's like, well, wait, he's a defensive minded coach, and that's what they, they kind of need right now. And I mean, you think about it, like they did. No, they got help from Jake Adinger, Adinger, and uh, but like what last year, two years ago, when was it that they went to the the Stanley Cup final in the bubble, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly he knows what he's doing. He's been doing it forever. Yeah. It's it's probably not a bad hire. So, um, yeah. but interesting nonetheless. And then uh, Bob Bugner got fired by the Sharks. John, did you expect that one? <laughs> Uh, not not at this stage. Not, not, maybe. not a week before the <laughs> yeah. free agency starts, yeah. and uh, kind of a we're gonna say a jerkish mood okay. move to fire a coach after all these vacancies started to get filled. I don't think he would have been filled in any of those, but he could be an assistant somewhere, and those are starting. They've already started to fill. So did, did he do a bad uh, job? I don't, I don't with think the he's a good coach. You don't I don't, think, I no, still, I don't yeah. think he's a good coach. So I was surprised they kept him on. Hasn't been to the playoffs since he kind of. Took the position, yeah. haven't had the best team, no doubt. But you know, I, either way, it's it's not that it, surprising. What's surprising is the timing of it. Uh, yeah, so it's late for him to find a job, but isn't it kind of also late for them to find a coach because there's been a lot that have now come off the board, and that's that's they're looking at. Something I mean, there's always going to be somebody. There's you yeah. know, Elon Vigneault is still out there. There's plenty of people still out there, and and there's could be some some other AHL candidates. Yeah, yeah. I, that that said, I mean, and we'll get to it. I. I hope. Coming uh, up soon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'll pause on, on everything else. Well, we can talk about it now then. Uh, so Mike Greer, they, I mean, they needed a GM, right? And so <laughs> yeah. it makes a lot of sense that, I mean, but who hired, who fired him? Did Mike the, Greer? No. The, no, he didn't. Okay. He was already fired before. They fired the coach before they hired him. Like three days before. So. Which is weird. But uh, yeah, I wonder if they asked. one of the interview questions, like, if you were to get this job, would you fire the well, coach? Well, I think, I think that's a fair question. <laughs> yeah. What What's your plan or what do you think we should do? And well, if, What's your opinion of If, of if everybody they're interviewing and even the final three candidates say, oh, well, I'm going to fire the coach, yeah. well, we'll that, take care of that for you. But right? Exactly. But yeah. also, like, I wonder if Mike Greer, you know, are they like, hey, do you, do you want to keep Bob Bugner or would you rather bring your own guy? Yeah. Clearly, he's going to want to bring his own guy, yep. especially if Bugner hasn't had any success in the last three years. So, yeah, maybe it makes a lot more sense for them somebody to be the bad guy and fire him, you know, before Mike Greer gets there. And the first act he has to do is fire. Yeah, a guy. Maybe you don't want your GM to, to be the bad guy right off the bat. Exactly. So anyway, Mike Greer hired as the general manager of the San Jose Sharks. This is a really cool hire as well because this makes him the bl- first black. Uh, GM ever in the history of the yeah. NHL. So uh, lots of firsts this week. And which is really I'm sure cool. most of you know this by now, but his brother is a general manager of the Miami Dolphins. So I actually yeah. did not know that. Oh, you didn't know, know that, that either. Okay. That's I pretty know cool. Brothers. Yeah, I thought that. I thought that was pretty cool tie-in. Um, I loved Greer as a player. Yeah, yeah I really yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, so funny. There, I watched the press conference for that one. And okay. And somebody's like, "Oh, so what's what's kind of the first order of business?" And he's basically like, "Well." We're getting on a, f- a flight to Montreal, so we're going to go draft players. I don't know how much input I'm going to – he, he kind of implied like he might have some input, which I doubt. Then he's like, and then, you know, we got a prospect camp coming up, and then we have the buyout period, we have free agency, and then, oh, I need to fire a coach or hire a coach. And it's like, okay, all of a sudden it's like, well, what didn't you name, Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. He basically do everything. Yeah, but he said, what's the priority? And he just named off – Six of the most important moments for the franchise, and and that franchise is not in a good spot. They've that got, gets to the timing again. Like that is a weird timing, like right before the drafts, because the general manager should be heavily involved in the, the well, scout. Usually they are, and he comes in and has to just trust these. Yeah, scouts they did now. have an acting. They did have an acting That's, GM. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like people were like, I don't know what we're gonna do. Right? I'm sure <laughs> he's gonna leave it to the scouts, though. I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the like he's not going to come in and be like, oh, well, I've been scouting these four guys. And you yeah. like, no way. There's just well, no it way. reminds me when we talked to Hackstall like right before the expansion draft, because he was hired like mm-hmm. five days before the yeah. expansion draft. And he's basically like, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> these guys did their work. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to add any input here. So right. uh, anyway, that's a cool hire. And as long as we're on that topic, we might as well talk about some changes in the Toronto Maple Leafs front office as well. Uh, so they have announced that they are promoting Haley Wickenheiser to be an assistant general manager, as well as who, John? Who, Friend of the whomst? pod, Ryan Hardy. Ryan Hardy. I love this guy. The yeah. legend. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. love Chicago Ryan Steel Hardy. legend. Yes. 
He once bought Darren a pitcher of beer. Oh man, several he, pitchers of beer. Yeah, on on a night we were recording. Yes, yes. This is a story, and I, I I'll would, share this again. You know, I'd argue it was our best episode. It was. So, it was a funny one. It was, it was a, a really funny one. episode. I, I'll never forget Darren saying, "Are you also drunk?" Yeah, <laughs> I was no, like, but, no, but, I'm not. So dang it. the story Uh-oh. was, it was after Sea Hack. Yeah. So it must have been 2019. Maybe. Must have been yeah. right. Right before the right before yeah, the pandemic. Pandemic. Yeah. We're. Uh, but the before times. So we had two days of Sea Hack, so a Saturday, Sunday, and then we went up to the Angry Beaver and had like a post conference. And Sunday, a bunch yeah. of people were there, and the plan was we were recording it that night. <laughs> and I swear, Darren came up to me like ten times at the night. He's like, "Dude, are we recording tonight? Are we really recording tonight?" Like, like almost like I'm in trouble if we have to yeah. record. And are but, you drunk too? Yeah. yeah. And then I saw I saw I Ryan in Boston. Yeah. About nine months later, I'm like, "Yeah, you got Darren." So. So left up. He's like, well, he's like, it happens. Yeah. So, so Ryan was there as at the time the general manager of the Chicago Steel. Yeah. yeah. And he, that's the bit is he kept buying pictures and just like put. So I, I would like, I've told this story a bunch of times the podcast now. So people are like, all right, that's enough. But uh, yeah, it was like every time I'd turn to my left, I'd turn back to the right, and there'd be another pitcher of beer in front of me, and I'd just be like, <laughs> I, I just wasn't paying attention to like how much, because I was just chatting and whatever, yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden, I'm like, I think I've had like six beers here. <laughs> I, I met up We're going to go record a podcast. I, I met up with him in Columbus, and he was kind of doing a similar behavior yeah. with other people, so yeah. I don't think you're the only one. Okay. I'm not the only one that's yeah, been- he's not picking on you. I'm, I'm not the only one that's been tricked into having yeah. a good time yeah. by Ryan Hardy, yeah. so- uh, anyway, cool stuff there. Congratulations, Ryan. Congratulations, uh, Haley Wickenheiser. And congratulations also to Daryl Metcalf, who is a third assistant general manager. He's a big analytics by the guy, Toronto too. Beliefs. So cool. Uh, we had our first big trade of the offseason. Actually, a couple of trades happened. Some of them are a little old, or one of them is a little old. Yeah. Well, which one? Mc- the Kevin Fiala. Fiala? Yeah. Okay. We haven't talked about it, though. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, this is. This is a big one as far as I'm concerned. I've been a big Kevin Fiala fan. I don't think I've hidden that from you all. Uh, But so he goes to the Los Angeles Kings. The return is Brock Faber. So he's a a defenseman for the Minnesota Gophers. He also was in the Olympics uh, for Team USA. And then they also got the number 19 overall pick. So decent return, I think, for a guy who scored 85 points. I think there are a lot of fans in Minnesota that kind of expected a third piece there, but... But Minnesota know, really kind of had their hands tied. They had their backs yeah. up against they the wall. They had to yeah. trade them. Yep. Um, and everybody knew that, so... You know, yeah. a little, if you're a wild fan, which at least one of the three of us is, you know, you're kind of bummed <laughs> to see Fiala leave, I yeah. think, but uh, they, they kind of had But hey, uh, you can see him now play in the Pacific Division here in yeah, Seattle. Yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> but man, the Kings... They're going to get good pretty fast. They're, they're kind of pushing they were, their chips they were in right now. They playing team last yeah. year. I know. Yeah. So, and they have this incredibly deep prospect pool. I don't think that's their last move that they're going to make this offseason. I think there's probably more coming. So um, they're going to be a, they're going to be a team to reckon with for a while here, I think, uh, in the Pacific Division. Uh, the Kraken were allegedly, reportedly, in on Kevin Fiala. Uh, but that kind of goes back to that challenge that Francis was talking about today. Uh, he didn't you know, directly say that this was the trade he was referencing, but I did think it was interesting that he was like, well, teams are asking for prospects in addition to picks, right? So they don't have a, I mean, they're not going to trade their number four overall pick probably. I mean, I don't, I don't think I would have done. Well, I don't know. Would I have done Fiala for the number four overall straight up? I don't think I would have. I would would say there's zero chance. Yeah. I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even though, I mean, he's a really, truly a good skilled player, but I still, I don't think I would have done that. So it's just a, being in the top five. You mm-hmm. don't get that chance very often. Correct. Yeah. And I think there's the longer runway for that pick, yeah. the fourth pick. Mm-hmm. Fiala is obviously a great player now, but three or four years from now, he's not going to be the same player. Yeah. Right? You're probably and, right about that. And your your draft pick at four is just yeah, then coming into his prime. Not, yeah. not that I think we're not going to have a Stanley Cup run in the next couple of years, but the reality I do, is, yeah. Yeah. The reality is I think uh, that fourth – overall might be more important to the timing for a cup run, if you will. And to me, if you're going to swing, you swing for Forsberg or Goudreau's of the world and free agency, even though- And then you're not giving stuff up either. Yeah, right? exactly. You're not you're not leveraging the future, which is kind of my whole point. The other piece here is that then Fiala immediately signed a deal that's mm-hmm. seven years and 7.9 million, right? So that could be a bad contract in a few years. I mean, that's a pretty big- pretty big deal in addition to giving up your first round pick this year and also a prospect that uh, seems to be pretty well respected so um Faber's like not 
necessarily a surefire. He wasn't their no. top prospect. Yeah. But no, he was a second but, or third rounder? Uh, I think he was a third rounder, but he's really improved his stock okay. since being okay. drafted. Kind but of LA is in a position in where they yeah. can yeah. afford to give up the 19th pick overall and a prospect, right? And the Seattle just isn't in that same correct. position. Yeah, correct. Well, exactly. That's that's exactly what we've been saying, right? It's yeah. like they don't have those prospects that they can nope. throw into a deal. And, and you, you kind of like shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, you get Fiala if you're Seattle, but then you have weakened your your system you know, by doing it at the same time. So it kind of washes it. Uh, the other trade this week was Ryan McDonough got traded by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sounds like this is kind of a, more or less a salary cap thing uh, is kind of how I read it uh, because Julian Brisebois sounded very sad to be moving on from Ryan McDonough. He actually had to ask him to waive a no-trade clause, with which McDonough did. The return going back is Philippe Myers and Grant Mishmash, who has no relation to Ryan Gleepglorp. That's not very funny. But really? Great, but he has a great no. name. That's not very funny? I thought that was a good one. I don't think so. Oh, that yeah, hurts. this is clearly... That one uh, hurts, because I thought that was a good one. <laughs> okay. Thank well, you, Andy. I'm sure somebody will enjoy it. Right. Um, this is completely a, a salary dump. Um, and I saw something that they were considering putting McDonough on waivers, uh-huh. which is not technically a trade. Right. Um, and somebody was going to claim him. Like, they knew who was going to claim him. Columbus was going to claim him. Yeah. Oh. And so then he kind of agreed to go to Nashville. Oh. So very shrewd behavior by the old Tampa Bay. That's like some money laundering. That's something. Is that? It's totally legal. So, yeah. But, I mean, other teams could have claimed him too, right? Although. But Columbus is near the top. Would have had an early yeah. selection. Yeah. Huh. Very interesting. So this, and we'll talk about some signings in a bit, but uh, one person that's not signed yet is Andre Pilat. Um, and this kind of clears some space for them. So that's that's what you expect the next move to be. So Ryan Gleepler doesn't do it for you. No. no. All right. Uh, we talked about the Alex DeBrinkett rumors already, uh, but the ask on him is apparently pretty significant. At least that's what's been leaked to the yeah. media. Um, and this is another one, right, where I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him in Seattle, but I just don't know what the Kraken could possibly give up to to get him, you know, because they're not, I just, again, I don't think they're giving up the number four pick. I don't think they're, they're definitely not trading Matty Beneers. I highly doubt they're trading Riker Evans. I don't, they just don't have enough to you be know? in that market. Somebody I mean, I, could easily outbid them. Like a bunch of second round picks isn't going to get that done. No. You know, no. So anyway, uh, that's that. I, yeah, I'd love to have him here, but I just don't think they, they have what is necessary to, to make that deal happen. So. Uh, speaking of Riker Evans, let's get to our interview with Riker Evans. We now welcome on to Sound of Hockey a 20-year-old defenseman from Calgary, Alberta. He was drafted number 35 overall with the second pick in the history of the Seattle Kraken in 2021. He spent four seasons with the Regina Pats where he was better than a point-per-game player over the last two seasons combined. Welcome to the show, Riker Evans, and thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. We're excited to be talking to you, and uh, you know we're about a year removed from uh, your NHL draft, uh, which I'm sure is a very exciting time for you, and we'll talk about that shortly. But uh, first, you know, my, my first question here, uh, you play with Connor Bedard. Uh, I assume just he's totally overrated, right? Can you confirm that for us? <laughs> Not at all. He's obviously a great player with tons of skill, and... Uh... Yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting watching him. Yeah. Well, we haven't gotten to watch him in person yet, but we are definitely excited to see him play. But realistically speaking, with, with you and him, you know, you've played with him for a couple of years now. Uh, I'm curious, you know, how much do you think you guys have helped each other to to grow into, you know, the players that you are now? Yeah, definitely a lot. It was it was great for him to come in and obviously step in like he did and, and perform. It was fun. He was, uh, he was obviously a very offensive guy, so us reading off each other and him just helping out our whole offensive zone definitely helped us a lot and yeah contribute to our team quite a bit yeah and totally different subject but i saw that you were avalanche fan growing up and uh specifically a joe sackick fan now obviously you're under contract with the kraken which is like <laughs> you're gonna play against them probably in the relative near future here how how was that watching them go on this cup run this past season yeah, it was pretty cool growing up. There, he obviously, he, like you said, he was my he was my go to guy. And to see the, see them win the cup was pretty cool, but I didn't have any favorites going in. Okay, so you were just <laughs> watching it kind of as a hockey fan then. So yeah. you you didn't feel any kind of way when you saw Joe Sakic <laughs> lifting the cup. 
No. <laughs> Fair enough. Good All answer. Right. That's good a good answer. answer. Yeah, yeah, you're good learning. Answer. You're learning. Yeah. Very good. And so, uh, looking at your journey to the NHL so far, the 2020 NHL draft, you don't get drafted. W- were you expecting to that year? Was that kind of a downer when you don't get picked that first year? Yeah, it was tough. I, I thought I had a, an all right season that year. Uh, not the greatest mm-hmm. by any means. I didn't think too much of it. Uh, uh, if I got drafted, I got drafted that year. But uh, going into that next year, there was definitely a goal in mind, and I was to get drafted. And so I worked my bag off that summer, and I was almost better off going that next year. Well, that's a question we had because you end up going earlier than you might have gone, right? So it ends up being a better situation for you. Exactly. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, heading into the 2021 draft, how were you feeling? Were you expecting to be drafted? Because if I, if my data is correct, you were kind of ranked kind of the same kind of area in central scouting. And so the expectations might've been very similar, but you were having a better year for sure. So what were your expectations going into the 2021 draft? Yeah, I thought uh, for sure I proved myself that year and I definitely had some looks from a lot of teams. Obviously Seattle was one of them. I talked to them quite a bit. So I could, it wasn't, I wouldn't say I expected it, but uh, I was hopeful that I was going to get drafted that year. And 35th overall, was that a little bit of a surprise? Yeah, it was definitely uh, cool to see your name go 35th, but by all means, it, it doesn't mean too much until you uh, you prove yourself in the league. And, you know, I remember watching it from home, just I'm sure like like you, and uh, hearing <laughs> analysts be just like shocked that Seattle had picked you where they picked you. Um, I'm sure, you know, you, you mentioned that the... Um, you had talked to the Kraken a number of times, and so they probably had given some indication that they were interested in you. Um, but did they make it clear just how highly they thought of you going into it, or were you as surprised as others to to know that this the Kraken had used their second pick on you? Yeah, well, doing those interviews, they don't show their hand too much. They mm. they go about their questions and they ask you. They they want to get to know you. They don't they don't really show too much as as to the interest wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely surprising to see them. Yeah. And what was that day like for you? Can you kind of walk through how that all played out for you? Yeah, it was, uh, uh, I don't know. I think it was like nine o'clock here and uh, I was just, just waking up uh, <laughs> and then I had the draft on the TV upstairs. So as I was waking up, I kind of heard yelling, not too sure what was going on. I thought it might've been a fire, but I kind of expected what, what was going on. Uh, they, they came running downstairs and got me. I came upstairs and Got the phone call from Ron Francis, and that's kind of uh, kind of how it started. Now, were, were you still groggy when you got that phone call, or did you waking up a bit? A little bit, yeah. I, was, <laughs> I obviously just got up. It was kind of early, so I, I got upstairs. They were yelling at me. I was still wiping the sleep out of my eyes and uh, got upstairs. <laughs> that's a pretty good wake-up call. Yeah. Yeah. And so so yeah. You're, you're obviously pumped you get, you know, you get selected. Um, and we've talked to other players – that may have been passed up in a draft or, you know, didn't make a team. And they've always used that as a chip on their shoulder before. And, and it really helped fuel who they are today. You know, do you think there's some of that with not only the not getting selected in 2020 draft, but even kind of hearing some people that thought you might've been picked too early in the 2021 draft? Yeah, it's definitely motivation. The key thing is, is obviously just believing in yourself and having that mental, mental toughness. To, to know that you have the ability to. So now just going out and proving it uh, is just the key thing. Well, what I loved is you showed up to Kraken camp and just had an awesome camp. And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I think we, we get it, right? We get what the Kraken saw. We get why... You know, they didn't necessarily, I don't know, they it just, it, it clear as day uh, why they picked you. And, um, you know, I remember watching that inter-squad game at Kraken Community Iceplex where there were a couple different moves you made in that that little game. It was like a scrimmage, but you got audible reactions out of the crowd a couple of times. And I remember I even asked uh, Dave Haxtall after that scrimmage uh, if there were any individuals that kind of stood out to him. And he said your name without solicitation, which I thought was pretty cool um, for him to call you out like that. Uh, but I was just curious, you know, did you have an expectation going into that camp that you were going to be able to compete with the NHL competition right away the way that you did? Yeah, that was, that was definitely like one of the mindsets that I had going in is that obviously Seattle believed in me for one reason and them believing in me makes me allowed to believe in myself and my ability that I belong there. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a moment where you had to pinch yourself just to think like you're skating around with NHL guys? Yeah, at first it was, it was pretty cool because obviously going up in Calgary, Gio was out there. So uh, <laughs> skating around with him, just chatting with him on the bench a little bit about different situations was pretty cool. Yeah. And you got into a preseason game with the Kraken and uh, played pretty well. Uh, what was that experience like for you and how different was it uh, from what you were used to uh, in the dub? 
yeah, it was definitely unreal. Uh, Edmonton had a pretty good squad that game, and uh, just to get the opportunity to go in to the lineup for, for a preseason game and, and just experience the pace was pretty cool. I thought it was a bit easier because all the guys know exactly where to be, when to be on time, and, and they, <laughs> they all know their role. So I thought I it actually was heard uh, that before. a bit yeah, easier. Yeah. Yeah. That's just funny. a bit faster than junior level, obviously. And then at the end of the season, after your season in Regina ended, you spent some time with the Checkers down in Charlotte uh, practicing with them. What did you take away from that experience, getting to live the pro hockey lifestyle for a while? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Charlotte was, uh, they're a great team. I believe it was my first day or second day in Charlotte there and we had practice and just to see how sharp it was and how crisp it was. And obviously I think they were number one in their, their division for most of the year. So just to see the way they worked was, uh, was definitely pretty sweet. And, uh, you gotta learn a lot from the, uh, the older guys like, like Carrick and, uh, McCormick. Did, uh, Joey Decord get you in on any of his silly antics? He's a friend of ours. We talked to him a couple of times. <laughs> Yeah, he's a great dude. He's uh, he's definitely a character, and uh, yeah, he uh, he showed me the ropes a little bit. Yeah, he he told us about his uh, like the stick bang thing that everybody does like during warmups. Uh, did he teach you like the timing on that and everything, or was that a like was that an extended session of uh, becoming a pro hockey player? Was how to time out your stick bang with Joey Decord? <laughs> I was uh, I was just watching it, but it was uh, it was pretty cool. I never really got to experience it. <laughs> So Riker, uh, you got another training camp coming up. How different is your approach coming into this one? Because there, there's a chance you could impress enough to make the roster. Are you looking at it a little differently this year than you were last year? Uh, not at all. I, I'm still going with the same mindset I did last year, and that's still to, to prove why I, I can be there and how I can help the team. So uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely not changing my mindset at all. And are, are you playing in the development camp? Uh, are you already in town or are you headed down here? Uh, I'm headed down there on Sunday. Right. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll see. We'll see you soon then. <laughs> you know, yeah. if things don't necessarily go according to plan in this uh, camp, and you don't make it, which I, obviously we're pulling for you to make it, but um, you know, what are your thoughts on potentially playing a little bit in the AHL with Coachella Valley? Have you put any any thought into that at all? Yeah, it'd definitely be really cool. Uh, Dan Bowsman is a great coach down there. Got to got to meet him and, and be, work with him a little bit in Charlotte, and he's unbelievable. So, yeah, it'll definitely be a, a great time down there and obviously develop for, uh, for the later years. Mm-hmm. Are, are you a golfer at all? Yeah, I golf a little bit. They got a lot of obviously golf courses down there. <laughs> in your clubs, yeah. Yeah, yeah go, go straight from the rink to the course. Uh, Different weather than you had in Regina, too. Yeah. <laughs> we, have a, we have a couple other uh, kind of random questions for you here. Um, I know that your, your sister, I believe, I saw she's going to be playing at Merrimack University. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, how has that dynamic been for you two growing up? Obviously, both very good players in your own right. Or um, have you had a lot of good battles over the years to help each other get better at, at hockey? Yeah, we uh, well, obviously growing up, there's there's a bit of an age. There's three years age difference. So we never really got to play with each other or, or against each other. But uh, growing up, we were always pushing each other. And uh, I truly think it's just uh, how supportive we are of each other. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of allowed kind of have success. Yeah. And what do you think it is then? Because, I mean, to have two kids that have been so successful in that um, in that realm, I mean, what is it about your, your upbringing, do you think, like whether it's your parents or somebody within your surroundings, like who has helped you guys get to this point? Oh, yeah, it's 100 uh, percent our parents, mom and dad, they, they supply everything needed and more to have success. Uh, my dad being a power skating coach and, mm. and my mom just being the biggest fan for the both of us uh, has kind of allowed us to have success. Which one of you is better? Oh, it's tough to say. I, I think her. <laughs> good answer. That's good answer. Good yeah. answer. Yeah. <laughs> so we understand you have a, a little bit of a gluten allergy that forces you to be really mindful of what you're putting in your body. Can you give us an idea and our listeners how how you manage that being such a high performance athlete where like calories are, are very important to kind of replenish your body? Yeah, it was. Uh, I got diagnosed with this in grade five. So uh, it's been a while now. So uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's gotten a lot easier over the years, especially if you're down in the United States, they got a lot more options, but yeah, it's, it's about the same. A lot of the uh, NHL guys are, are going onto this diet because uh, it creates less inflammation while flying. So oh. it's uh it's a bit better, but yeah, you're still able to get the calories needed. They got foods that are all about the same as uh, the regular foods. Uh, it just kind of allowed me to learn uh, about nutrition a bit more and uh, how much it actually helps your body. Very cool. I can imagine whenever you're going to a new team, you know, maybe it's it's 
not so much in the NHL team because they expect it, like you said. But even going to Charlotte, do you have to like pre-communicate things about about your routines and what what's needed, kind of from a from a dietary standpoint? Yeah, I just kind of let them know, and then we go from there. But yeah, definitely traveling is really hard. Uh, trying to find food. Yeah, Seattle, you'll have no problem. Don't worry about that. So. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> Definitely true. Uh, cool. Well, Riker, that's pretty much all we have. Is there anything that you would want uh, Kraken fans to know about you that maybe they don't know yet? Uh, no, I, I think uh, I think that's it. Um, all right. Well, we appreciate your time. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in development camp and in training camp and uh, hopefully playing for the Kraken very soon. So really appreciate you coming on and uh, best of luck to you, Riker. Awesome. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you again, Riker Evans, for joining us. And thank you, the Kraken, for letting us talk to Riker. Uh, we now move on to our segments and our first segment is everyone's favorite segment. Bad boys. Goalie gear corner! It's coming it back goalie now. gear season? Not really. This one's a little, uh, it's a little what do we call this one? Different. Out of the box? A little, not your typical goalie gear corner. Like we're not just going to talk about, you know, how cool a pad setup is or whatever. This one is go look it up on Twitter. It comes from a gentleman named Surjan Singh, S-U-R-G-J-A-N Singh, S-I-N-G-H. Uh, so he has invented a new cage for goalie masks, which has, uh, the, he says it's five times thinner than a regular cat eye cage that all the goalies use now. Uh, use some of the material that's in a bulletproof vest. And it's pretty awesome. Like the bars are super thin. Uh, it says that to be able to get to the same kind of um, like visibility that his new mask creates, uh, it would have to, you'd have to remove 75% of the bars on existing cages <laughs> That's amazing. on a goalie mask. So it's a really, really cool thing. At the end, he says he's looking for some uh, like high level NHL goalies to help test it for him. Uh, so I think it's just awesome. And, and he apparently worked on like Virgin Galactic spaceships or something before. So he's an engineer. So if you are an NHL goalie listening, right. Contact this guy, yeah, and get a new mask. I think I think I saw a follow up, and he's he's like overwhelmed with the outpour support, which is oh, pretty nice. awesome to see. Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, I mean, this guy has. Let's see, and we're, I'm unfortunately go on, on Shark Tank Twitter right now, um, but he has. <laughs> he's got fourteen thousand likes now on this. So yeah, good stuff. Congratulations on that, uh, Sir Jen, and I hope that comes to be something cool because I think it is really cool. Uh, that's our goalie gear corner, uh, not your traditional goalie gear corner. It's just a, we're just kind of wetting your appetite there because again, I think goalie gear corner season is is upon us or soon. Soon. yeah, I'd say it's coming. Like in a couple I'd say weeks it's August after that's, free agent. See, yeah, it's you know, it's August time move, frame, move right? To new places. Yeah. They start to unbox yep. their gear. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, let's move on to our weekly one timers. Our first weekly one timer. We had this is there's technically like five things within this one weekly one timer. You don't have to do the sound effect again, John. Okay. <laughs> uh, we had some player signings, uh, re-signings, I should say, with their existing teams. So Nick Paul goes back to the Tampa Bay Lightning, seven years at three point one five million dollars. That's a very interesting deal. I feel like usually when it's around the three million mark, you don't hear of like six, seven, eight. Yeah, years. the term is a long term, but. Yeah, it's probably what he would have got the term on the open market, but I think that's almost not like, the dollars. Yeah. No, I think right. he, he left one point five a year, right? Like he had it, such a good playoff that you thought he was going to cash in. Yeah, I mean, I I think the projections were around five million a year. I mean, in a way, he did. He's making twenty plus million dollars over the course of this contract. But yeah, you're right. I mean, but if he, he gets could have made elsewhere. way more, right? Now, if he plays out the whole contract, now what? Uh, well, yeah. he gets he's the money. Still going to get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, the big thing to note, and it's interesting to note because we are in Washington State, Florida is also uh, no state income tax. That's right. So there's a huge advantage just signing in a state that's mm -hmm. got no state income tax. So good, good point. That might be in play yeah. down the road. Good point. Nick Paul, he was a warrior, uh, loved his game in the playoffs, as you just mentioned. And he was the one, remember, in, in that opening round against Toronto, he scored both goals for yeah. – uh, for Tampa Bay to kind of carry them through that game seven. Good, so. good Ontario boy. Yeah. Uh, Brock Besser back with the Vancouver Canucks. He was an RFA. He's been on, like in the rumor mill for 
what seems like a decade, mm-hmm. even though I don't think he's been in the league that long, but he certainly has not. Uh, but he goes back for three years at $6.65 million. Uh, good stuff there. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned on this podcast a couple of times, I have a personal connection to his family. He's had a really hard year. Uh, year. Yeah. yeah. And, and beyond that, I mean, his dad, Duke, I, I knew him when I was a kid. Uh, very, very nice guy. And he's had some just serious, serious health problems for a long time. I think it goes back more than a decade. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm really happy for him. Uh, good to see him you know, get some good news. And I saw some quotes that he's just, he's so excited to be. And just doesn't have to worry on. about yeah. it now. Or right? he can just go out and play hockey. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it's really hard to see your dad pass away, but also like there's probably some clo- almost some closure there. Cause like that was, that was a lot yeah. of um, stuff that they were all dealing with. So um, I'm really happy for Brock. That's this, great to see. This deal, mm-hmm. not to take away from. No, yeah. Go moment. back to but put that, it back on this, the rails. That's this, fine. This deal kind of is relatively short um, yeah. because it takes him to the end of free agency or his his protected years or his mm-hmm. RFA years. And so he'll be 28 and hitting the UFA market. So that is also good timing because that's when the salary cap goes up. Ah. Um, so there might be some opportunity there. So uh, keep that in mind when you see other free agents being signed because this is, this is a kind of an interesting time since the cap's flat for the next couple of years. Craig Anderson, the ageless wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the Buffalo Sabres, one year, $1.5 million. Oh, He's what, 41 years old, yep. I think? Yeah, he's awesome. Pretty cool. Uh, Scott Wedgwood, uh, two years at $1 million. I don't actually know where he... Oh, he's in Dallas, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> he played... Well, I mean, that's <laughs> a good question sure. because well, he, he played... around a lot team. last year. Yeah, he, he started around. in New Jersey, yeah. played in Arizona, mm-hmm. beat, yeah. beat Seattle. Yep. Uh, yeah, and then, horrible game. He came and in relief. And then went to Dallas and, uh, yeah, that's resigned right. there. It was the wedgie-veggie connection in Arizona for a little while. Uh, it was Casey, more wedgy though for them. That's, that's right. Casey DeSmith, uh, back to the Pittsburgh Penguins, two years, one point eight million. So Wedgwood and DeSmith were definite, like I would say, potential targets for the Kraken as those kinds of guys that, that we were talking about earlier yeah. that could have been the one year stopgap until Drieger comes back from his injury. So anyway, uh two good options there that are kind of gone for the Kraken. Uh definitely could have been uh potential stopgaps, I think. So those are gone. Our next weekly one-timer, the Ottawa Senators, 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 <laughs> Senators. in Ottawa. <laughs> no, no, they're actually in. Oh, you're right. They're in Ottawa. That's yeah. where they play. Yeah. Uh, Colin White has been bought out by the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> and John, you thought this was interesting for some reason. Well, it's just we are in the buyout period. Yes. Um, I... Don't think the Kraken would be interested in Colin White, but now he becomes a a free agent to sign with somebody else. Uh, but it's just something to keep an eye on uh, the next week because we are in a, the spy out period. Mm-hmm. And the logic is they can buy him out so then they can hit free agency. So that's why the timing's right before the free agency. So That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, great situation, though. I mean, if you can get picked up by another team, I always say the best thing you can do is get bought out and then get resign paid twice. somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I mean- yeah. Rick DiPietro is still getting paid for like eight more years or something. So that's true. Yeah. No, that's true. I think his contract ends in uh, like 2029 and he gets paid. He just got paid a few days ago. So I saw people tweeting about it. Is that before or after Bobby Bonilla? Yeah, I know. That must be the the same same. timing. They're about the same. Because that was recent too. Yeah. Yeah. But so it was just Bobby Bonilla day on the first. Yeah. So and he hasn't played in what? Five, six, seven, eight Pietro? years. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, it's been a lot. Yeah. I can't and remember last time. So he gets just gets a one point five million dollar check. I think every July first, just every year, just Not doesn't bad. have to do anything. Not bad. It's pretty nice. And that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Moose Jaw Warriors. Oh wait, our next weekly one timer. The Moose Jaw Warriors <laughs> have changed their logo. Andy, what's the the deal on this? Well, they didn't have the most uh... PC. Yeah, PC mm-hmm. or inclusive logo before right. and with a name like Warriors, you, you, you could know? imagine yeah. what, it, what it was. Yeah. So now their new logo is uh, uh, same colors that they had before, kind of this red and black. But now it's a jet plane, which at first glance was a little weird. But then I read about it, and apparently there's a big Canadian Air Force base in or near Moose Jaw. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a tribute to that. Okay. That's cool. Which is also why the Winnipeg Jets have a jet in there. Right. Even though they're the Jets. Right. <laughs> so that's that's cool uh and it kind of follows along in that trend of junior teams doing that obviously saw that with the portland winterhawks yep. we did not see that with the shawinigan <laughs> water <Cataractes laughs> yeah. or whatever they're called cardiacs yeah. not yet uh but that's okay 
well, it's not okay. Maybe they'll change it. Who knows? Our final weekly <laughs> one-timer. Jake DeBrusque has officially rescinded his trade request from the Boston Bruins, so that's kind of interesting. I know that he was uh, trying to get out of there. He still has two years left on his deal at $4 million a year. Thoughts on this? Um, I have an interesting story. So when they were here, Boston was here in Seattle. Uh-huh. After this, he scored two goals uh, I remember in the game, that. had a big night, yeah, yeah. and he was kind of hot at that point. He he had a couple like the last week he had scored like four or five goals, and he'd already made that trade request at that point. So the Boston media that was there after the game were asking, "Are you you know now that you've been playing so well, are you going to rescind it?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm not really going to get into that." Like it sounded like no, he wasn't going to. It was my impression. Like even though he was scoring goals now, he still wanted out. But now, I yeah, guess, you wonder what changed in yeah. Boston in the last uh, three months. I don't know. You know maybe a new coach. Maybe could've, I could have done things. it. Maybe that yeah. could have done it. <laughs> you know what's funny? Uh, as you were saying that, John, you're like, I wonder what. And I knew that you were like being sarcastic because clearly something big had changed. I could not figure out what it was that had changed, and we literally just talked about it like ten <laughs> yeah. minutes. You got ago. some new skates. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So excited about. It, you know, it, it's it is interesting because I always thought, you know. Second rounder for DeBrusque, mm-hmm. even though I'm not like a huge DeBrusque fan, uh, although he played he played really well this year. Um, I was like, he, he could have been a cracking candidate, right? That yep. would have been a nice if it was a second rounder. Yeah. But I don't even know if that would get him. So right. And you rarely year. see you rarely see a guy make a trade request, I think, and then well, in rescind public, it six months. Public. public, yeah, and then rescind yeah. it six months later, so, or however long it's been. So I mean, I, I don't know. It's weird. Now it's like, oh, it's officially re- rescinded. It was a tweet that. It's nice to know, but it's really none of our business, right? Yeah. Isn't it? It's eh, not. I, I mean, it's I something why, to talk about. You mean why? Is that no, a, just the fact that he's got a trade request. Oh, well, I think he was doing that to kind of put some pressure. Yeah, yeah. It's so. a PR, you know. He wants to put make himself the good guy and the, the Bruins the bad guy. I guess. Sure. Which <laughs> is impossible because obviously Brad Marchand is the bad guy. I like Brad Marshall. Yeah, I thought we were leaning on him. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. We're a pro Brad Marshall. You a little kid this year, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah. (laughs) That's nice. That's nice, Andy. All right. The kid was wearing the wrong jersey. Those are our... I got it. (laughs) talked about it before. Those are our weekly one-timers. We close the show with our Tweets of the Week. John, your Tweet of the Week. So this Tweet of the Week comes from Helen St. James. Okay. Uh, She appears to be a journalist covering the Detroit Red Wings. Is that Hel- Helene, not Helen? Helene. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Is yeah. that who it is? Yeah. yeah. Her Twitter handle is literally Helene, not Helen. You just called her Helen. <laughs> Unbelievable. I apologize. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. Yeah, Carry on. I'm not. It says, Red Wings Steve Eiserman downplayed that being at NHL draft facilitates trades. Okay. And it's as quote, it's not like we just wander around the room kind of <laughs> looking for somebody in open open up a raincoat and sell them a watch or something like that. <laughs> There's a bit of a plan to it all, believe it or not. Uh, so hold on. I kind of wish a, it was like that. Is that an actual Steve Eiserman quote? Is yes. that where? That's incredible. Like, you imagine him like, oh, yeah. What do you Here's a Tomas Grice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. We've got this AHL prospect over here. Yeah. Uh, I guess he makes sense. I mean, they are all there, and they all, but they all have phones, too. Well, but he's, there's some a little bit more planning, which you got to imagine, yeah. But you do see GMs walking around on the draft, draft floor. That is true. Yeah. But, like, you think about uh, the few times in history that, like, an early pick has been traded. Yeah. Clearly, they didn't come up with that. No, like, they're not wandering around. They're walking with a purpose. <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, they got to the draft with this plan oh, yeah, in yeah, place. Yeah. Right? And, and probably like, other plans, yeah. I think that's well, Steve Eisenman's And I do think too. there's, like, just to lean into this a little bit more... I think there's scenarios in play, right? If so-and-so selects so-and-so, all of a sudden they're going to execute a trade. I got you. Right? Because that means that person's available in this spot. But you could theoretically do that if you were back at your own facility with the phone, right? You certainly could. But I kind of like it. They're all there. Okay. Yeah, sure. But the the point is, this is Tweets of the Week. Yeah. And that was funny. And speaking of which, <laughs> Andy, what's your tweet of the week? Uh, I have failed miserably. Oh, it was oh just not gosh. a humorous week. Can't believe I it, honestly. Don't have a tweet. It's true. It I wasn't. Spent more it time than I shouldn't tr- uh, scrolling Twitter day looking for a good tweet, and I couldn't yeah. find one. And I bet it took like five years off your life. Yeah, just yeah. it made Twitter. me hate things. Uh, my <laughs> tweet of the week. I did not fail in this assignment. Uh, comes from Saad Yusuf. He says, "Jim Montgomery got fired in Dallas. Rick Bonus took over." 
Rick Bonus departed Dallas. Pete DeBoer got the job. Bruce Cassidy was fired in Boston, took DeBoer's old job. Montgomery got hired in Boston, took Cassidy's old job. The NHL coaching carousel is, well, something. So that is I, amazing. I thought that was uh, quite a good summation of what had happened there in the coaching carousel. Uh, good stuff. Thank you again to Riker Evans for joining us on the show. Thank you again to Anastasia and I think Greg uh, with all the numbers. Uh, John, you had mentioned last week that you want to do a little happy hour after yeah. the draft. Is that still your plan? Yeah. Okay. Not advertising a lot because it's a little more uh, guerrilla style. Like uh-huh. we're not planning this out. Podcast. We're not checking with the facility, but <laughs> Old Stove Brewery in Ship Canal, which is Fremont or in the south south of the Ship Canal mm-hmm. in Fremont, not okay. downtown. Okay. Got Fremont, it. Fremont, Ship not Canal, the one downtown. Old I have, Stove. I have been to the one downtown. We're not going to that one. No, we're not going <laughs> downtown. Do not go not downtown. going downtown. All right. But I don't know if anybody will join, but I'm hoping to have a few beverages after... Day two of the NHL draft, which is this Friday, should be a good time. What time do you plan on getting there? As close to five as possible. Okay. Uh, Depends on how the draft goes. Yeah, that's a good point because sometimes the draft runs really long. Yeah, usually when they're remote, they go long. Yeah, when they're in person, it should go a lot quicker. Yeah, so I'm hoping to be there by five uh, or start walking down as soon as the draft is over. Got it. Uh, good stuff. So hopefully we'll see you there. And when you say gorilla style, I'm sure you mean like everyone wear your gorilla costumes to the bar. Man, Man. I'm striking out tonight. <laughs> I might be below the Mendoza line. Uh, I, I, no, I, I was kind of thinking that would be kind of funny. Yeah. All right. So oh, if you <laughs> leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts, if you haven't, subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Get a gorilla costume. Get your gorilla costume. Enjoy the Show draft. To Old Stove, not the one downtown. Enjoy the draft. We'll talk to you all next <laughs> week for episode 196. Cheers. Cheers.